Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast or the MHG Podcast if you prefer. Once again, I am Bradley. And joining me this week, I'm pretty sure he's part that hasn't been moaning about their cut finger for the past three days. But he's going to listen to me moan about her moaning. So, how you doing, Stu? Well, I'm sure that your partner is in the right on this one. Because <laughs> what have you done this time to yourself? No, no, she's cut herself. Oh, I thought you meant that moaning about your cut finger. No, no, we've been moaning doing a lot her. of flat pack. And I'll explain why in, in, a, in a short while. But yeah, we've been doing a lot of flat pack and she managed to, not while doing the flat pack stuff, but by re- when removing a bit of uh, rubbish, she managed to get a massive staple through her finger. Ooh, nasty. Yes. The, do you know, the worst cut I ever got from a, a blade was when I was trying to replace the blade on a sort of Stanley knife box cutter type thing. Yeah. And the plastic sheared right through like part of my finger. It wasn't the blade at all. It was like this sharp plastic thing. I've still never managed to cut myself with a blade badly, but, but, but totally that was as plastic. bad as a blade. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. It's worse because it's blood... Bigger, a blade's actually not too... like. A, a, if you actually cut yourself with a blade, a sharp blade, it's not too bad. Yeah. Because it's clean and it's like... like The actual slice is like like really thin and clean, so you don't really do too bad with it. It heals quite quickly. Something blunt or sort of like that's larger, like entry point, yeah, that does more damage. Oh, yeah. Horrible. Yeah. yeah, not done that for a while. Saying that, I'll probably as soon as we've recorded, I'll fall down the stairs and like impale myself on a spike or something like that. Or Mel go, you want to see me cut with a blade? You want to be see cut with a blade? Come here. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. she became a Cockney gangster all of a sudden, but you yeah. Know. I like it though. But yeah, no, I've been yeah. begging for that for years, really. Yeah. But oh, let me tell you, so with one blade, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, very, 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 very quickly. A few years ago, going back maybe eight, nine years ago, me and Lo had both given up smoking, but I kind of tried, I, I kind of started again, you know, doing that whole, I was like smoking in secret bit. And we was at an ice rink in Lee Valley one day. And um, I went, oh, you know, I'll go out and get the bits from the car so I can have a, have a crafty one. And I'm going out and like Lo pops out because she wanted to tell me something. And I'm like, oh no, and she, she caught me. And she said, like, she was more angry, not that I was smoking, but I hadn't told her. Because she could have done with one. Yeah. And it was... And, it, and um, so, as we go back in, I've gone back in, gone, ah, oh, bloody hell. Right, okay, at least it's out now. I don't have to hide. And as she got in, a woman was standing outside. She went, what's up with you? And she went, oh, he's only, I've only caught him smoking. And like, she, like, so, like, I'm, like, pretty f***ed off with him. The woman turned around, she goes, do you know what I would have done? I'd have cut him. <laughs> Slight overreaction, maybe. Those days she walked in and she went, I was forgiving you by that point. Blimey, I said, as soon as she turned around and said, I'd have cut him, she went, I'm I'm done with it then. (laughs) Yeah, way to put things in perspective. Yeah, I know. I would have cut him. That's mental. (laughs) Yeah. I I love that there's people like that around because it just reminds you that no matter how bad you get sometimes in your own head, you've never threatened to cut someone because you caught them smoking. (laughs) Yeah, there's always somebody worse. And if there isn't somebody worse (laughs) out there, then that's a real problem. I mean, even like the likes of Joseph Fritzl were going, Yeah, that's a bit much. Charlie Manson, come here. Have you heard what this one wants to do? Yeah. Uh, talking of cutting people and, and serial killers and everything, video games. Yeah. Well, look, I have actually been cutting people in video games. Not in real life. Ooh. Not yet. But, no. you know, always put it on the docket, you know. 
It's always an option. Well, let's, I'll get you to go first then. Let's, 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 let's hear it. Yeah, so I've been playing the Super Shinobi on Mega Drive, which was called Revenge of Shinobi in the West. So, yeah, a nice modern title from 1989. As always. As usual, to start off with, absolutely. So, yeah, being on a real Mega Drive kick at the moment, as you as you all have guessed, and just going through stuff. I've got, I think I mentioned it, picked one up really cheap, modded it, and I've got uh, one of those, you know, all the games in one, on one cartridge as well. But I've actually got Shinobi. Just for listeners, because it's not really come up on the podcast very often, but one of my favourite game series of all time is Shinobi. I've played, I think, every single entry, except maybe Kanoichi on the, the PS2. But everything else... Yeah, I think I've played. I'm sure that'll be rectified. Yeah, maybe. I really didn't like the PS2 ones. But anyway, that's an entirely different discussion. But um, yeah, so obviously Super Shinobi slash Revenge of the Shinobi is, is one of you know the greatest ones of, of the series. But I'm going to preface everything by saying it's such a great game. It's really, really good. It's got great level design. The music's fantastic. Quite like, you know, the graphics are good, even though it's you know, pretty old now and stuff like that. But I am going to say it is not my favourite. It is not my favourite. And there's a couple of reasons for this. And again, prefacing it with it's still a really great game. But my big problems with it are, first off, you have to do a double jump to be able to get to different areas. It's got that thing that the first game did of, you know, you have different layers of the screen that you can be in. And it also has different heights of the screen, so different platforms. The, and you have to get to them using the double jump. The double jump only activates in a very specific part of your jump. It's not like most double jumps in games where you, you can press jump and then jump a second time at any point and you'll still do it. If you if you miss that small window, you whiff it completely. And there are a lot of jumps over chasms that need you to have the double jump done well, often whilst in combat. So it that's a little bit tricky. So it's you would never do that in a modern game, I don't think. I think you can. I think in Metroid games they still do it a little bit. It's you know it's a very tight window for executing, but it's never as essential as it is in Revenge of Shinobi. Anyway, so that's a big thing. So traversal's a bit of a bind sometimes, and the other one is it's respawning enemies and enemies shooting off from off screen and the angles they shoot at, and all sorts, makes it very, very awkward. So there's a lot of memorization, which there always is in Shinobi games, but there's less room for just reaction, and it's more skewed towards learning the levels, and that isn't really kind of the best part. And, you know, it makes it all the traversal stuff and the kind of environmental object stuff getting in the way like traps and crushers and spikes it makes it all about that less about the combat so it's still great but it's not the best it lands about oh maybe fourth in my list of favorites which is a bit mad really shinobi i've I've, I've always uh, i can't remember which one i've even played that's how much i've really sort of like really got into shinobi i've played one or two and i can't remember which ones they are was it ever on the Commodore 64? Yeah, well, Revenge wasn't, but the original game was, the arcade game conversion. And was that the one where the so this one the entire box art was like black, but it had like the eyes of the ninja through it? Well, that's from from the Revenge of Shinobi. 
if I'm okay. yeah picking you up right on the Mega Drive. But why do I remember that same visual on? Unless there was another sort of like ninja style game with that that aesthetic on the cover. It could have been Last Ninja. Last Ninja. Yes, that would have been it. Right. Uh, but I've also I've definitely also played Shinobi on the um, on the Commodore sixty four because my uncle I think he liked ninjas for some reason. <laughs> When he was in his late teens, maybe early twenties, but I used to go around my dad's into my uncle's room and play Shinobi and The Last Ninja and Kick Off. But anyway, <laughs> um, there's a weird selection of games to play around there. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I kind of I, I like them, but never enough to really sort of like get into them, get into them. And I don't know why, because whenever you talk about them or whenever I've seen them, they look like buy sort of game. Yeah. So I might I, I might go back and have a Shinobi kick. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would start off. Yeah, like, because like me, you're not really bothered about graphics. I would genuinely start off with the Master System version of Shinobi. Yeah. Because it has, it's got smaller sprites, obviously, because the Master System, you know, was a potato, as much as we love it. And so, because it's got smaller sprites, you can see the enemies come in, like, from further away. Because it doesn't, you know, obviously you don't fill up as much as the screen. Yeah. And you have a life bar instead of instant death. So, it's... Got and you also there's um, weapon power ups, more weapon power ups, which add a bit of variety. So it's definitely that's the first one I would recommend going to, and yeah, take it from there. See if you like it. I, I shall do that. But I have one question actually with regards to the Master System version. Then what's the box art? The box art is just uh, well, yeah, obviously it's the white background with the silver grid, and yes, it's just a graph paper. Yeah. That's it. And, Graph uh, paper, bad clip art. It's one. Of, yeah, I mean, you, you've sold me. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a ninja's face, and that's it. I want more games to do that nowadays, right? Not in an ironic way, not a retro style game. I want, I don't know, the next Yakuza or whatever it is, or the next Call of Duty to go full on graph paper, bad clip art. Yeah, that would be good. Just have an every game should have an alternate cover that's Master System based. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you know though? I you so rarely. Well, I don't. I so rarely see what the cover art actually is because get it digitally. Like there's the odd game that I get physically, but most of it's digital. So you're like, well, I don't know which one they went with because you've seen it. You know, obviously images when you're looking up reviews and stuff. Yeah, but you don't actually know what the box art is on a lot of them. I used to in the older days when I was on the high seas. And I was building my own my own boats, so so to speak. <laughs> I was um, I used to go to like cdcovers.cc or whatever it was. Yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. And you used to find loads of really alternate covers where people have put up their own versions of covers, and like you get some people to try and mimic like the Criterion collection of films and stuff like that for video games. And I used to I don't know why I did it, but I used to just download the covers, print them out at home even if I didn't own the game, and have them on the shelf, because, like, the cover, the spines they made for them, the fronts, it just looks so good. I I honestly think, and again, if studios want to make a, a quick buck, I honestly think there's a market for people to buy DVD cases or even big boxes of digital games they own. Yeah, and with, like you say, some community artwork on it as well, or individual artwork, yeah. that would actually be really good. I would buy some of that. I would, I would also buy them as alternate covers like i'd actually pay for alternate covers for the games that i do own because yeah it's fantastic and i did that as well i used to print if i if i hated a particular cover in particular of something i bought i would have very often print off another one 
Um, yeah. I probably should still, because I told you that. I don't know if I told you, but the cover art for Uncharted Lost Legacy is absolutely dreadful. It's really, really poor. And I'd love to have a proper, really good, exciting cover on that one. So I might look it up again. Yeah, well, based on this, I mean, I, I've been get because I've been getting into the pinball stuff. Like the artwork on pinball back glasses is it is gee, it is a work of art. Well, you know, it's amazing some of the stuff you get because um, it really tells you about what era it's from. You just look at it and go, "That's the nineties. That's the seventies. That's the sixties. You can just yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. And I was watching a, a YouTube video yesterday. Um, it's like a, called like Forgotten Failures. It's like with like. Um, like fl- film flops that people don't even remember anymore and there's one called adventure point it's a johnny knoxville gig and he kind of like tried to do the jackass thing but in an actual story properly basically imagine bad grandpa which was passable for like switch your brain off this is like evil this is just worse uh, but it, originally when it was going to come out it had an amazing poster and what was going to be cover up for it. it was like this like cartoon hand-drawn 80s style style thing that looks so stylistic and then for whatever reason they got rid of this poster and done a, just a generic one of Johnny Knoxville stood there in all his garb next to a bear and it was just like <laughs> why? Whoa. And a lot of video games do that where you see sort of like some really good artwork and then something comes out and it's just generic that's like, I was like I mean I really like Metal Gear Solid 4 cover art and there's not, I've got to get this the right way round. There's one region that's really nice and one region that's horrible. Um, it's the, the, the one that's the white one with the hand-drawn solid snake face on it and everything. That's the U, That's the EU one, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And obviously the eco box art is the most, probably the most famous of all. This is what the US got. This is what the rest of the world got. I mean, that, again, is a work of art. And if I was to have a game poster, I'd love the eco EU box art. Yeah, as a poster, um, but yeah, this, I, but it seems to be everything so generic now, and I think with it being moving digital, it's becoming even more so. People aren't caring, but I still think there's a market out there for good artwork on video game box arts. Just don't need. I I, I almost poo pooed the idea. I can't believe I use the word poo pooed, but when companies were starting to sell like special edition versions of games so you got all the tap but you didn't get the actual game it's like jesus christ this is bad but now i'll just sell me a dvd case with the right artwork in it I'll, I'll give you a couple of quid for that yeah i think the difference there is that they were charging like stupid money for it <laughs> it's yeah. like no i'm not gonna do that when there's no product <laughs> oh yeah if i paid 100 quid i want the game exactly yeah i don't mind paying like 12.99 for a, a dummy box that looks really good on my shelf but i'm not paying 2.99 yeah. two, two oh, let's, let's, let's not give them ideas <laughs> all right yeah Stu. good point good bloody point. hell but yeah no um, I, that, yeah. you know all good points and i you know i think what's happened is I think this is probably right, is that, you know, companies not anything to do with games specifically, but like all marketing, they've settled on a kind of design standard, and you'll know better than me because, you, you know, web design, you know, historically kind of thing. They've settled on a design standard and a, des- a design language that people recognise. So it's like, if you do it in this style, it means it's, it's an RPG. If you do it in this style, it means it's an action game. Do it this way, it's yeah. a sports game. And even if you don't see the title, you, you, and it doesn't depict what's going on in that game, you still know what it is. Like a really good example is um, Drive Club, which I've got sitting in front of me. And it's it's kind of, it's red and black, 
like there's a there's a picture of a driver in like his helmet and his you know jumpsuit thing just in the background yeah but like you can barely see it and there's no cars and there's you know it but it's it's that design language you could immediately see that and go oh yeah that red and black that's that's a driving game just to interrupt myself there i got it wrong but not too much wrong and it just illustrates my point. So it's the cover to Gran Turismo Sport that has the guy on it. There is a tiny silhouette of a car, but it's not really visible. And Drive Club looks nigh on identical. It does have a more obvious silhouette of a car, but not that much. And they're both black and red. And yeah, it's really, really silly. I'll post up comparison images on the Twitter so you can see what I mean. And they seem to have settled on that for everything, and it really stifles the creativity. Oh yeah, well, well I think we'll have a deeper discussion on this another time. But it's yeah, it, it's something that's worth looking into. I mean, I've, I've got here. I created a, a, a temp like a, a custom back glass for uh, pinball tables that don't have them built in, so I can put my DMD on a second screen nicely. Just some people might know what I've said then. I've just said words to a lot of people, but I use the uh, the Adams Family pinball background for it and to be honest with you it's just as simple as there's like gomez and morticia uh so it's like the actual angelica hudson uh, houston sorry and uh raul julia kind of stood there sort of like hugging the house in the background but it's done in such a way yeah. that it, it feels like they've been painted and it's not just like it's not just the fact that they've stood there they, they, there's love there's life to it and it kind of conveys like you've got the house in the background and it's like all the blues that make it dark and kind of spooky there's lightning going on you've got like uh uncle fester somewhere in a window you've got uh uh wednesday um in another corner somewhere and there's those little bits but you could sense almost like one thing i've always felt about the adams family was you could feel the love between morticia and gomez it was always there in every version right. you've done it they've managed to convey that really well and that's conveyed in that image if it's going on, they're there for each other. And I know that's like, that, that a lot of people don't look into that, but you get those subconscious thoughts with it. And a lot of artwork on video games now, it's just, it's not there. And it's disappointing when you see some games where you look at, go into the game, and it's so stylistic, it's so beautiful. And you said Uncharted Collection, you should look at the cover and just go, ugh. Yeah, I know. It, that I love that kind of mural design thing that they go with in pinball. So yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's not just... It's like you do need to fill every area in on that back thing, on that back plate thing. Yeah. And but you've got to do it in a way that fits the theme and it you know, it catches the eye. And it's all kind of like like with pinball particularly, it's like really overwhelming in a deliberate very deliberate way. Yeah. And it, you kind of pick things out over time, but you get like the mural effect of it being, you know, this wash of colour and excitement. And you know, I think that just needs to be brought back quite a bit in, in design, you know, in general in, in products. Yes, no, totally, totally agree. Uh we went far off from Shinobi now, I do apologise. Oh yeah, I mean just to cap it off, I'd still recommend anyone play it. But, you know, it's got, it is really, really difficult for the reasons that I said, and, and some others as well. Like, just very briefly, there's one level when you're on, where you're on a highway, and you have to jump between, like, the highway itself, where you can get hit by cars, and or also enemies, and pl- a platform to the side of it, like a, a walkway in the foreground, where you can get shot at. And 
yeah, that's hard enough in itself, avoiding cars and jumping around. But knowing which which side you're on is not always obvious. So it's really got some quality of life flaws that, that are more apparent today. That ironically, like even games that came out a couple of years after it in the early to mid-90s didn't have. So approach it with yeah. caution. Still got a great skeleton to it. But I would say approach it with caution and try the other games, which are a little bit more kind of user-friendly first. Yeah, no, I, I I totally get that. Uh, but that, that, again, it sounds like a, a product of the 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 eighties and stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, again, Shinobi. It's it's for me. It is still one of those definitive games that defined what video games became in the end. And without it, we wouldn't be where we are today. Yes, definitely. There'd be no Ninja Gaiden, that's for sure. Yeah. When, yeah, I've never really put That was a big American thing because the NES, wasn't it? I never really played those NES ones. I might have given them a go. Yeah. But yeah, no, I know that, like, again, Ninja Gaiden was old. But I, I actually think Ninja Gaiden Modern has more to, in common with the old Shinobi than it does the original Ninja Gaiden, apart from the difficulty side yeah. of it. But yeah. yeah. I agree. There you go. So, I've been playing a game that, according to my Steam page, does not un- unlock for another five hours. Oh. But at the time of recording, um, I've been playing Not Tonight 2. Oh. Now, anyone who's checked the site out um, knows that I, I absolutely adored the original Not Tonight game, which was set in a dystopian post Brexit. Britain, where you play a bouncer at a nightclub, and you've got it kind of takes the essentially the way the only way I could put it, it's 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 like a um, a British version post Brexit papers, please. Yeah, with a deep twisted story that that doesn't hide its political leanings um, in all the right ways. And I, again, I applaud them for not going, oh, let's play it down the middle. They just go, this is our political leanings. This is what we're going into. And I thought it was a really, really good game, but mechanically sound along with a really good story. And I thought they got the Britishness of it spot on as well. Now, the developers have made um, a sequel to that. It's Panic Barb again developing No More Robots, no, no more ro- robots rather. Again, on publishing duty, um, so same team as before, um, except this time, Not Tonight 2 is set in the United States, and it starts on on the 31st of December 2020, so you're starting on New Year's, leading into 2021, and it's kind of almost like a, it's done as though Trump-style president has got what they want. And America has completely fallen into ruin. Protest is illegal. You can be declared a terrorist for absolutely anything. And But you're a bunch of uh, guys and girls who are going out to protest. One of your friends gets arrested for what seems like no other reason than protesting. But he gets taken to like this detention camp in Florida. Patriot camp, I think it's called. And while there... He's, he's he's kind of regarded as like talked about as, as a special guest. So they keep referring to him as a special guest. So it's clear there's going to be an important story arc coming, 
with this person and it turns out they go oh you must be an immigrant your name's eduardo or uh, edward so uh, you must be an immigrant and if you can't produce your papers you're going to be you know kept here but if you can produce your papers in 30 days then we'll let you go so you have to get your friends who you're protesting with to try and get your papers and everything they've got to come across a broken america um to sort of like deliver your papers and id and passport and everything to uh this this gulag essentially but you've got to earn money as you go so it keeps the exact same core mechanics as the original not tonight where you take on bouncer jobs and everything and you have to id people let people in and out the club based on the rules you get you get punished if you don't let the right ones in um, or get or if you let the wrong people in and stuff like that it's got that core mechanic i'm a couple of hours in at the moment and it's enthralling. I wasn't when I first heard about this. I wasn't sure how it would translate to being in America, because uh, the, the way it was done, it was definitely sort of like a post-Brexit political statement that they made. And I, I wasn't quite sure it translate uh, because America's kind of settled down now. Whereas when Not Tonight came out, everyone was still unsure about what was going to happen in the UK. We still are, uh, but. America's kind of settled down in terms of a post-Trump world now. And I've got a feeling this was being made with a a, a Trump still in power kind of um, ide- ideology to yeah. it. But it, yeah, it works really well. It's definitely an alternate what could have been type feel to it. And even though it plays it over the top, it doesn't feel too far from where your imagination was going if Trump had got a second term. Really interesting game. Really interested. Yeah, it sounds okay. I'm not sure if I'm drawn to it or not. Does it? What What would draw me to it? I think is if it has clever dialogue and and conveys its message really well and, and subtly and and stuff like that. Do you Do you feel it does that? Early on, I think in the scene setting, it's a bit on the nose. It It does feel a bit. I, I try to fit the right words. Look what's happening. Stuff's happening, and this is what's this is this is what you've got to do. And we're on this side. It it feels like she tries to gut punch you earlier than the original. Not tonight. Did the original one kind of gently took you through it, as, uh, and then it started like punching you in the gut in all the effective ways. This tries to go early, but I think it's doing it based on the fact that look, people, if you're playing this, chances are you've played not tonight, so we don't need to ease you in. Um, so that would be the one thing. If you're going into this fresh, I think you might be taken aback a bit. You'd need to play the first one first, even though it's not important to play it. It's a, it's definitely a standalone story in the most part. But, it, I mean, again, what I would say is, have you played Papers, please? Yeah, I have, yeah. What was your thoughts on that in terms of the gameplay? Mechanics? I thought they were really good. But the thing, I mean, the thing with that is that it was, I was done in about half an hour on the first run. Yeah. And I think I did another couple of runs. And yes, it was like, I played it probably for an hour and a half tops. And it was perfectly suited for that duration, but I'm not sure if I'd go any longer. Yeah. Right, so this is Lydia. This is a lot more Lydia. It's a story-based thing. And it, it is quite sort of like, you've got to get to here to here. You've got 30 days to do it, in-game 30 days. And, and you kind of go through the flow with it. So it, it's rather than Papers, Please, which was entirely here are the mechanics and the stories building around you in sort of like not obvious ways. This is kind of like story beat, story beat, story beat, interactions, click here, go there, game mechanics. 
So it, and then sort of like you use those really as a way of earning money more than anything. But it's, as I say, it's got the Papers, Please mechanic, which I found really satisfying. There's something satisfying about taking IDs and that from people, dragging them and you, then deciding what to do from there. But yeah, it's... Um, it's got a few other bits. I haven't come across all of these yet, but there's like some river games and um, cooking type things going on. Um, there's a few extra little bits they put in there, which add some silliness to it, which I'm okay with. Uh, because the one thing I found about Not Tonight, it was bleak. Yeah. Um, and it needed something. Now, because even in bleak times, you could have a laugh. Because you have yes. to. We know this. Like, <laughs> from the mental health side of things. And I think what this has done, it's addressed that and add some fun into it in the right moment so far, which is good. Um, there's not like a moment where everyone's grieving for something and then, oh, let's just go bowling or anything like that. We're not we're not talking like GTA 4 style annoyances. Let's have fun at the wrong moments. But yeah, and it's it, it, what's really interesting. The ID check-in's really good. I mean, I, I went up the first, the first level, it went, everyone's got to be over 21. And obviously the game's set in uh, like end of twenty twenty, so it's like uh, and it comes up with something. I'm going, oh crap! I don't know when someone should have been born. My brain just could not work out what year someone was born <laughs> to be twenty one on the thirtieth of December twenty twenty. Oh dear! I'm like, I got right. There was one. It came up nineteen eighty one, someone's birthday, which is the year I was born. And I'm going, are they? <laughs> like, I'm forty. Of course they are. So, but yeah, it's I, I, it's really good. So, a couple of points to note. There's a diverse character set in there. It's... Well, I had to go and check this because they've written people of different nationalities and people of colour really, really well. We spoke about this a few weeks ago about how to write about people of colour. And I went and checked this because I was like, they seemed really natural. It didn't seem like there was any shoehorning in of, oh, look, this person's black or or this person's like Asian or anything like that. It wasn't shoehorned in and trying to telegraph it. But it was done in such a natural way that it wasn't sort of hiding it either. It wasn't kind, oh, I'll tell you what, they're all white characters, but we'll make this one have darker skin. Uh, they, you could feel the differences in culture. So I went and checked it and um, in the stories... They're all written by a team of people of colour authors. Right, yeah. And that shines through. And again, it shows why we need these voices in video games more and more. Uh, yeah, the, the, the one complaint I've got does come from accessibility. It's got uh, like the dialogue trees and everything are in like a, a, a light background. And then it's got a light font over a slightly darker uh, background. Um, it's got a, like a sky blue one. It's totally like a text message style with white text on it. And I found it really difficult to concentrate for a long time on, on the text because it was hurting me to have to do it. Right. So, again, the one argument I would have, one complaint, is accessibility. Just do me an inverse of those those dialogue boxes. Uh, it's, it's all we need. Yeah. It'd be something like that. Everything else, is it's spot on. It, it feels spot on. They seem to have the balance right. So, it, but yeah, just it's just one simple change. If you don't want to fully voice it, which would have helped, and I get why they might want to fully voice it, You've got to do something. So that would have done there. But it's a shame because, again, the dialogue in itself is written really well and it flows really well. Even the decisions they get you to make, it kind of, 
it flows naturally. And again, it's generally A or B decisions. Um, and I don't know what effect it has in the long run with stuff. So far, it doesn't feel like it's had an effect. But it, again, I suppose it's added interactivity just to keep you going while they're talking. But yeah, it feels natural, flows brilliantly. I really like the bouncer mechanics that are with it. And yeah, yeah, just a good, solid game. A couple of hours into it, I'm probably going to finish it over the course of a couple of weeks by giving it like half hour to an hour each day. But yeah, highly, highly recommended, especially if you like the first one. Okay, cool. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, no, so just you know, what you are mentioning about the voices of people call, that's really important. Yeah, I think that's great. Just to clarify, though, what we were saying a few weeks back is we were talking about how not to do voices of people of colour. Like, we wouldn't be able to say how to do voices of people of colour. Um, yeah, we were saying, you know, like you said, that it was very important to have those voices in because we have no idea no. how to write those sorts of things. And, and clearly most authors uh, of these of these games don't either. So it's really great that they've been included. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And it, yeah. that actually sways me more towards wanting to buy it than anything else. Yeah, I think, again, to set up... Not just because of that, but I think it's good to show that actually if you get these authors and these writers and these voices in to video games, people will buy them. Yeah. And hopefully we'll get to the point where that doesn't... I mean, it is, I, I believe... Let me just check the Steam page, actually. Two seconds, because I believe it's in some of their marketing. I wonder if it's on their Steam page as well. Uh, I would be amazed if it was. I'd be very, very pleased. Yeah, no, it is. Oh, that's Under great. their features, uh, three compelling stories written by a team of POC authors. Excellent. Oh, I'm really glad that's there. So that's clearly what that's going I mean, again, this shows they're going, look, we don't care. We, we want to promote that this is, this is done by a team like this. Because that's going to put people off, some people off. And to be honest, they're the sort of people, I, if it was me, I'd go, I don't want you playing my game anyway. Exactly. Although, Unless you're open to the idea, I'd do one. Yeah, yeah. Although I can imagine it is a difficult kind of balance because at the same time, you want to bring people in who are prejudiced so you can hopefully break their prejudices. Yeah. So I, I, I think um, that's a really good thing that they've done there to put that front and centre. Yeah, but again, with that, you want the people who's, who've got those prejudices, but are the, the ones who still going to play it be the ones who are maybe willing to listen. Absolutely. But you could go the other way, which I thought was hilarious, was that, that drifting racing game, whatever it was, where they had an LGBTQ toggle on it. Right. And it had a, basically an LGBTQ plus flag filter. And it's set to, I think, off to start with the filter. So it shows all the LGBTQ plus flags. And then if you switch it on, the filter, people assume that it will turn them off completely. All it does is add more. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so people people were getting angry about it and like going on to Steam reviews and proper kicking off. Um, so I, 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 But they obviously had no idea because it wasn't advertised on the Steam page or anything. And you basically have people outing themselves as homophobic and, and like prejudice and everything. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. That would have been their intention Absolutely as well. That's <laughs> really good. Yeah. But yeah, no, again, again, this is why, I mean, I, if I'm not a writer anyway, but I couldn't write a person uh, of, of, of colour because I can't write a black person or a, an Asian person. I can't do that without it coming across a slightly racist sounding because I'll, I, I'm trying to imagine what that's like rather than writing laterally. But yeah, it works, works really well here. Diversity is there. I think there's some LGBTQ diversity in there. Again, it's not made obvious yeah 
It's really good. It's not a fun game overall. Again, it's bleak. Not as bleak as the first so far, but it is bleak. So it's it's one of those, like, this war of mine. You don't play it for fun. You play it because you're interested in what the story is and the, the messages. Yeah, and it's great that we're at a place now where you can actually do that in games, you know, it's come on such a long way. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. I want games where I can have fun. I want games where I can think. Definitely. Yeah, brilliant. Sounds good. So, moving on. So only... Only a couple of games, game. unless you've got any more. Sorry, I'm moving us on, unless you've got any yeah, more. Yeah, no, just very briefly, I've been playing Demon X Machina, which is the uh, cell-shaded mech game, and it came out on the Switch. Yep. Uh, it was It's exclusive to Switch and PC, and it, uh, me being cheap-ass gamer that I am, I was like, oh, God, it's too expensive. I bought it on Switch and then I sold it because I, I couldn't put up with the low frame rate. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, it's got, it's got a PC version. I'll pick that up eventually. The price never really dropped. And then they released it on the Epic Store for free. <laughs> like, 100% free. About two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And I was jumped on that with both feet. So I've managed to end up with it for absolutely free. And it's a really good game. It's not anything spectacular. But the graphics are amazing. The combat is solid. It's just uh, nice to get back into a mech game, which I've not played for years and years and years. I think, you know... One of the last Armored Core games probably was the last that I, last newish one I played. Yeah. So yeah, we're talking a great many years. So it's nice to pick that up for free and be able to play it. Yeah. No. Um. I'll, I'll join you on that. I've not played the PC version. I've played a bit of the Switch version, and uh, I don't know why I just bounced off it in, uh, after a while. I think it was one of those. I kept going. I'll go back to that. I'll go back to that, and then I just never did because I was playing other stuff. Yeah. But the time I spent with it, I enjoyed it enough. Um, even I noticed some of the low frame rate, so that shows you how bad it probably did get at points, if I noticed it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've got it for free on the Epic Store, and I'll, I'll dive, I'll, I keep meaning to dive back in on it at some point. Um, again, I don't like Epic because, because again, the goal is to monopolise PC video yeah, gaming, yeah. but they keep giving me stuff for free, so, you know. Yeah. I'll take it and I'll play well, it. Well, if all they're getting off me is an engagement stat ticking up a number, I can just about live with that as I'm taking the product off them. And also there's got to be some sort of tangential benefit for the developers to see that they're, you know, people playing that game and the chances of them being picked up to develop something else, you know, grows from that, I suppose. They're playing a very long game epic. It's okay, we're not going to detail with this. They're playing a very, very long game all this good PR, all this free stuff they're giving away does not matter to them. It's loose change at the bottom of very, very, very deep pockets. The only time we've got to worry about not getting any free games from Epic of, of decent value is if the Fortnite train dries up. The Fortnite train? I'm my analogies again. <laughs> I like it, though. Yeah, yeah no, you're absolutely right. Absolutely what is it? Right, well, yeah. well, the Fortnite well. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> the tra- I like the idea of trains drying up. That's quite... Or shriveled. So, moving on. Uh, we didn't talk much about the mental health side of stuff last week. Um, we had to cut it short because there was things going on. Um, I, I had some stuff happening the week. Stu had some stuff that was potentially going to be happening... So I'm going to talk quickly, briefly about mine first, and I'll go into more detail another time. But basically, after a long, long fight, I finally got my personal independence payments 
decision through and I got granted my personal independence payments, which is really good on top of getting my certification for being partially sighted. And yeah, I've got a nice little back pay from it. I'm not going to lie, that was worth it alone. And I got to, for this month at least, I'm getting to understand how people who earn that sort of money every month, I get why they build up money because you can't spend it all without, like, when I was going, like, because essentially I got it, I got, uh, like, enough money that I was able to get, like, my son a daughter, like, my son a new bed because he needed one. Um, So we got him, like, a double bed that he could have in his room that turns into a sofa just so that he could, like, relax in his room a bit more. Got a new computer desk because I was fed up of using the small battered dining table um, and a new TV unit because all the wires were getting on my nerves and everything, as well as a couple of gifts for sort of, like, low and the kids and stuff like that. Low especially for the thank you for all everything she's done for me over the past, like, God knows how long. But, yeah, we had a, we had a spend up with stuff. But by the end of it, I'm going, I, I don't, I, I'm done with spending. So I get to see why sort of like the middle class everything no think it's so easy to save money. Because even when I had it that month and I went on a spending spree with stuff we semi-needed, I started looking at things that I wanted and going, ah, it's all right, I've spent, I've spent out. Yeah. Really weird, really, really weird. I thought I'd go and just like, ah, I've got this money, off it all goes. But yeah, it's, it's really weird. I mean, don't get me about a couple of takeaways because again, the work we've been doing around the flat but we couldn't be asked to cook a couple of times um, and sort of like Edith needed new trainers or she like she could have done with new trainers because her laces keep coming undone and she wanted ones with Velcro. And being able to go out and go, yeah, right, let's go and get you a pair of new trainers for 20 quid and not worrying about it. Um, yeah. And it does get me to thinking is that's how it should be for everyone. That's how life should be for absolutely everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, no reason why not. No, there isn't. And like we talked about a while ago, it all comes down to, well, I feel it all comes down to the, the cost of housing yeah. because you're spending so much of your income on housing because of the ridiculous rate of inflation that's gone on around the housing market and you know private landlords renting stuff out to people instead of there being an option for home ownership and stuff like that. And yeah, that kind of knackers it because then no matter how much you earn, well, not no matter how much, but you know, if you're earning what would normally be a decent wage, then it's all having to go on essentials. And if if all you can spend is money on essentials and, and on the cost of living and surviving, then that's just surviving rather than actually living. Yeah. So yeah, no, that is that is awful. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're right. It's kind of there is a disappearing middle class as well, and there are fewer and fewer people who can save. But what once you you're right, once you're in a place where you can save that sort of that a that's how it should be and b that sort of transforms your life you know you meet all your basic needs and then you save for emergencies and for the future and then at that point you're you're at a level of security that the vast proportion of the people in the country don't have so yes it is a bit of a wake-up call when you get that kind of cash definitely yeah and i mean it's it's gonna disappear and we'll be back to struggling by but it's like at the time when we can do it, I want to be able to enjoy it. Yeah. Rather than it going, oh, it's all just gone on bills and catching up on debts and, and stuff like that. And I'm still miserable because I had this money and we've not enjoyed it. Uh, whereas I say at the moment, I you know, in the front room, 
we're looking around sort of going it just looks neater it looks bigger um and it, we feel we still want to get out of here we still want to like move into a house at some point but we look at it going, actually it just feels better and it makes us feel better by doing so as well yeah but yeah it, it's really good i've got my white stick as well uh my symbol cane um yeah it's amazing people take notice of that more than they do the um the yellow pass yellow pass people don't care white stick most of them move out the way not all of them yeah that's really good yeah uh, we yeah we got tutted out yesterday in tesco um, What? not moving out of the way no no um the blind man was taking his young daughter to the toilet oh right not and the mother wasn't yeah uh, yeah someone got tutted because that wasn't good uh, crying out loud. I've got one person said to me I shouldn't be allowed out. What really? Yeah. Oh my god. I don't think they think I heard me. I was popping into Costa like um, only if I just finished football. Uh, but I'm trying to be just a bit more independent now. I've got like the stick and ethics. I'm trying to be that bit more independent. And so Lo went to like into the little local Sainsbury's to grab a bag of crisps for Edith after football. Um, and I went into the Costa um, to go and get a coffee. And I've got my white stick. And I've walked through the door, and there was someone coming to come out. So I've had to stop to get my bearings as I tried to work out where I was, what was near me, and stuff like that. And I so I could then step out the way a bit. Done that. She's walked past, and all I've heard is, oh, they should not be allowed out on their own. That's disgusting. That's absolutely... Oh, no, I was impressed. I was impressed. She used the right uh, pronoun. She said they. (laughs) (laughs) That's something. I don't think she meant it in the way that I'm I'm taking that. No. I think she meant they as in uh, not not a normal person kind of thing. But but I'll I'll take that as a small win. But yeah, they shouldn't be allowed out on their own. Oh, my God. You can't believe there's that level of prejudice still around. That's pathetic. I mean, the woman's about 60 to 70, which is no excuse, but it's kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I then thought, you know, when you do the thing of the comeback afterwards, low thought of this one. You should have have turned around and said, I'm blind in my eyes, not in my ears. (laughs) Yeah, very good. Um, (laughs) Well, you should have said something about old people not being aisled out on their own. Yeah, it should be an home. Yeah, exactly. Be in retirement home, love. Not yeah, out getting yeah. coffee for our young people. Yeah, you've got it. I'm glad that you got out. I really am. Oh, that's really cool. And don't be afraid to use that stick to hit people with if they're prejudiced against you in future. Well, I got they've got the choice. I got the one where you could like fold it, and I didn't get that one. Or you could get the telescopic one. Right. With the telescopic one, telescopic, te- telescopic. I could pretend it's a baton because I could do it. I could go. <laughs> It's like get threatening with it. Yeah. You could definitely do more damage with them yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. And I could and if I do it someone with it and they go, Oh sorry, didn't see you now. Yeah. Oh, did I break your leg? Oh apologies. Yeah. yeah. I might just get a police baton and paint it white. Yeah. One of them with a the side handle and then you really clatter somebody with it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. dear. I don't want a police baton, though, because I might become prejudiced against people of colour and stuff like that, so maybe not go that far. Well, because you've got, you're partially sighted, you could legitimately say to people, I, I don't see, see colour, colour. Yeah. and then just smack them around the head. Yeah. <laughs> but you're only hitting the white people. Not a hate people. crime if you're blind. <laughs> yeah. You're only hitting the white people. You deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's what I would do. But anyway, I'm not the only one that's had good news. Yeah, I've had good news. <laughs> <laughs> that's me yeah no i uh 
I, I got a new job, so I've been doing lots and lots of interviews. So I'll well, set the scene even more. So I, I've been unemployed since uh, November because that's when the mask contract ended. And, you know, longer back than that, it's been a rockier road because I just I got made redundant from, you know, my long-standing job of 11 years just as COVID started. It wasn't related to COVID at all. Um, I'm in IT and, you know, it was the typical moving your job abroad thing, unfortunately. But it just happened to coincide just as COVID was kicking off. So I managed to get one job that wasn't right for me and then I managed to get another that was just a contract and it was fixed at three months. So really out of the game for quite a while and yeah the last sort of three to four weeks I've been interviewing because things have really picked up since the new year and January when people are recruiting anyway it must be boring everyone to death now but basically I managed to land like a job that's like a pretty senior management role um I think it it's right there in what I in my wheelhouse and what I can do and on top of that, like we were talking about money, it's so nice to know that I can actually earn again. Yeah. And that I don't have to start really panicking about, you know, where my next pair of pants is going to come from. Yeah. Yeah. And you could, yeah, you could like spend something knowing that you've got a wage coming in as like, again, it's, I think that, that often goes goes by the wayside when people talk about sort of like need like how you need a job or you need that fight that finance coming in you often think about or talk about bills and stuff like that but being able to buy the fun bits as well yeah is is, is huge because i mean again we just had probably the best nintendo direct ever and i'm looking at it kind of want, want that i 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 want that that one definitely, I don't want that, but I do have that uh, because there was an assassin. <laughs> there was an Assassin's Creed announced. It's like, no, nah, I don't want that. It's Ubisoft, in it? But you kind of okay. You might not want it all, and it might be a whole bunch of stuff. But you'll see something you want, and when you've not got that income, you're going. I need to find a way of justifying this or raising the money for it because I can't. If I've not got a guaranteed money coming in, I can't get this thing, and that depresses you when you can't get that something you might want. Um, so being yeah. in that position again where you can look forward and go, I can get this. Okay, I might, because of the time of it, I might have to like eat a bit more, you know, cheaply for a week or so until my wage comes in. But you can do it. Um, and I think that often goes unnoticed how important it is to be able to be able to treat yourself. And I, I, again, I know you were speaking before about sort of like you were really having to tighten the purse strings because you wasn't sure what you know what was going to happen over the next few weeks, so yeah. I can imagine that's a huge weight off your mind. Yeah, and also like it's there's two sides of the coin. The other one is debt, yeah, and not wanting to get into it. Like both me and my wife grew up like in exactly the same mental situation of you know you don't have credit cards. I mean we do now because they're really important, um, just in case. But uh, you know you don't have credit cards. You don't get into debt. You don't. You know, don't buy things on tick that you, uh, you know, that you could you could get if you saved up for. You know, and some of these things are right and some of them are wrong. Some yep. of them are prejudiced about how you should use money. But you know, we both had that in our minds, and it ended up being very very lucky that when my money started to, you know, when it started to become a, an issue, that we don't have <clears throat> we don't have any debt. 
And, you know, that's a very fortunate... Well, it's not just a fortunate situation. Some of it's because we, we carefully plan. Um, but we're not, you know, we, we know people who... God, you know, we know people who just live with, with that debt. They don't even think about it. You know, they will buy a new kitchen and stick it on credit and a new car and stick it on yeah. credit. And I'm not talking about, you know, buying to live. Like, I need a new kitchen because the current one has fallen apart. It's like, I, I want to spruce it up. They I want, want a new bu- kitchen, yeah. Yeah, oh, I want a new car because it's flashy. And, we, you know, we, we never do that. We only pay what we can, af- you know, reasonably afford sort of thing. But, yeah, no, if you get into that kind of debt, then getting out of that pit is really hard. So, anyway, it's all to say that I feel so much more comfortable now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get it. As I said, like, I can, I can understand that way. If you've never really had debt or anything growing up, and you sort of like, you've managed, I mean, again, it's not, it's not luck. You, you know, you, you've made your decisions in life and it, it's benefited you um, in terms of being able to keep on top of things. I think it's, you know, you've lived very cleverly. Um, and obviously, we all have our problems, but overall, I hope I'm right in saying, like, fairly comfortably. Yeah. And, you know, the decision is, you know, for example, like you've not got your own kids. So, you know, that, that immediately yeah. becomes yeah. a burden and a debt and might change, would, would change things. Uh, yes. But it is once you get into it, you can't get out. And it's, it's really weird. The less debt you're in, the harder it is as well sometimes, and the more you can fall into debt. I know people that have had thousands upon thousands to hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of debt and have been able to go bankrupt quite easily. Yeah. Um, and then a few years later, they're, they're fine and out of it. Whereas I'm stuck in a in a, a cycle, for example, where the debt builds up bit by bit. Yeah. And you can't get out of it because I don't have, I'm not enough in debt to claim bankruptcy, but I'm, not far, I'm too far in to be able to just to pay it off easily. And it's just... It's yeah. really well. I'm, I'm a big believer. I mean, I'm an anti-capitalist anyway. And again, the hypocrisy. You still buy things. You still want things. Yes, I do. But that's that's what capitalism's done over like many many years. Of course, I still want things. I'm, I'm, I'm a human. Yep. And I will buy things. And I will use Amazon and Apple or whatever. I will use those because they're the options that are there for me. Doesn't mean I can't criticise it. But anyway, I think everyone at once in their life should be allowed a reset button on debt. Yeah. When you take that is up to you. You are allowed one reset. Right, yeah. Where you could go, look, I've, I've, I've messed up. I want to start again. I'm pressing my reset button. Wipe all my debt. Anything else I accrue after that, that's on me. Well, that would be lovely. I can't see it happening, but it would be lovely. No, no, it won't happen. Same as universal basic income would be lovely. It's not going to happen. Yeah, in which case there would be so much less debt. And you should, you know... Again, it's down to the lawmakers and the politicians to make accruing debt much more difficult. You know, like because I think one of the big problems was in the in the big financial crash of two thousand eight, there were lots of opportunities to punish the banks and to change the law around how they they lend. You know, because of the subprime thing in America and things like that. Yeah. And they didn't take those opportunities and they bailed them out. And you know that really set the course for still being allowed to run up tons of debt because if it was much more difficult to get your hands on credit for things then you know people could would live within their means much more now this is starting to sound like i'm criticizing people for not living within their means and i'm not no 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 agree with you you're not sounding like you're judging or anything like that i know exactly what you're saying with that 
Yes, exactly. It's so, you know, yes, you can you need credit for things that you can't immediately afford, but it's the the more problematic debt is people like we said before, people who have a certain level of income and then they decide that they want to yeah, and not unreasonably because of our society, want to have something better. And so they've got, you know, they're living in almost near poverty, but they're driving around a brand new, you know, Mini Cooper or whatever. Yeah. And it's really weird. And it's like you said about sort of like it's on the government and the lawmakers to sort of like make the changes. Um, and they won't do it. And they'll claim it's difficult and everything. But if everyone just leans in just a little bit, just listen, right? I'm going to let you in on this secret right now, okay? Go on then. Right. Money isn't real. It's made up. Just, just, yeah. just you know, just putting that out there. Um, I know. It's it's a made up thing. It's we could wipe out the governments could wipe out every single debt in the world right now, today, this very second, and then start again for everyone, and nothing would be lost. Because you often go, I, I I still believe if you used to say to people, look. Everyone gets a standard of living. If you want to work and put your skills to the test, like to do things skillfully and make things, you will get bonuses. You could earn, you could, you know, you could go and get that brand new TV. You know, oh, you've been working, you've been doing that, go and get it. That's spanking new TV. You can go and get that day one. People who are not working, fine, you can still get it, but maybe do something to earn it, to earn the benefits, the extras or whatever, or take what the people are then passing down. Um, you'd still have that hierarchy, to a degree, of people who are willing to go and do things, but then all of a sudden, like, you don't have CEOs. It's like CEOs just sitting at the top, doing nothing, but still gaining all the money. Those who actually work gain the extras. I, I, I guarantee you, I absolutely guarantee you, if you was to have a reward system for people doing jobs, people would do those jobs still. And probably more willing to do those jobs if they're getting it for reward rather than having to pay bills and rent with that with what they're getting. Yeah, uh, I think that at the moment we're, we're at a stage now, and they've called it late-stage capitalism for a long time. Yeah. And what, the, what that actually means is end-stage capitalism. Yes. Like, we, we very much, yeah, it feels like it's coming to an end. And the reason why it feels like it's coming to an end is partly, obviously, you know, the ecological crisis, which I can't talk about too much because it just depresses me so much that I can't function. But, you know, onto subjects I can talk about without starting to cry. Um, you know, we're talking about people who generally... Are, were happy as being part of a capitalist society now turning on it um, because they know that they can't live, basically. The, the way that it works doesn't work. and It's stopped working and it's reached its end point. And so it's actually, you know, that's pretty positive. And yeah. all change is, is kind of brought out of conflict. So there'll be a lot of conflict before it really dies. But it's good to know that people can see a different way and eventually we will get there which is really nice yeah well I'm, I'm gonna do this one last fall and then I'll, I'll i'll close myself out but lovely story on local london news um a couple of days ago um this is why i know we're gonna like my kids are gonna be all right because the kids the teenagers now they're all right they get it somewhere i want to say lambeth i don't think it was lambeth but it was in sort of like one of the slightly poor areas of london uh basically these uh year 11 maybe year 12 school kids basically set up a uh, a small shop in a shopping center usually an abandoned uh, an abandoned shop and basically filled it with revision books 
bricks, pencils, pencil cases, calculators, pens, uh, sanitary products, women's sanitary products, um, loads of bits. And basically, it's if you can't afford this stuff, you can go in, you can get it. Awesome. Um, and that's what it was. There was no charge. You could I mean, you could use the vision books there, leave them there for other people. You could take them away if you had to. The like the the disposable, so like the the shower gels, toothpaste, toothbrushes, like you just took that would they were yours. Uh, and like let me say, like people they're not cause big worries are oh, pe- people are coming to just take it. People won't actually. And you can tell if you've got someone turning up in a you know a brand new you know real fur mink coat or whatever like to like complete jewelry everywhere and flashes of cash and they're coming to go i can't afford a revision book you can probably tell them to do one they become a bit more obvious so people generally won't unless they really need to and these kids were talking about it's not about earning money it's about making sure everyone gets the opportunity to do their best it's like saying like you've got kids who are going into gcse that can't eat properly you know, they're not washing properly. They can't get the right revision books. And then they're not going to get the be- the grades that are needed to then get the best of themselves to go out and get the good job. So it's just the cycle repeats. And these are like 15, 16, 17 year olds. And these are soon, as long as they don't get corrupted, these are soon going to be the generation, the kids that are in power. I can't see how the right are going to stay in power as they are. When you look at kids, their eyes are open. Yeah, I think you're right. It's got to turn around. It's got to turn around because I can't... Whereas you look at it now and go, that generation, maybe sort of like eight in ten of us are right-leaning, for example, because that's what we was brought up knowing and stuff like that. I see that's a swing in kids. I think so many kids are left now, which is why the right are pushing so hard because they try to corrupt as much as they can before they know it's too late. Yes, absolutely. I think that that it, it's gone beyond like party politics to a degree. Yeah. And it's like there's the the people who are exploiters and they're the exploited. And I think that a lot of young people, a lot of Gen Z, feel like they are the exploited and that there are different things. There's just a different way. And it starts with giving back to society as well as yeah because you've if you're in a privileged position where you you can do something about it because that is a privilege then you should do because it's going to make everything better for everybody you're sick of you're seeing your parents struggling sick of seeing your friends struggling sick of seeing the planet struggling and you just want to make it better because it would make everything better so yeah i totally agree i think that that's wonderful and definitely feel that's the way that it's going yeah so i i see a positive future maybe not for us definitely for our kids and that generation yeah and if you want proof that this is the case look at the likes of Trump, look at the likes of Boris Johnson, look at the likes of Putin, try to destroy democracy because they know it's coming. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a, that's a good discussion. I know it was wide ranging, but they're important, <laughs> which means unfocused, basically babble. But um, I think it's a good one. You know, it's great that we've both had something good happen in such a difficult time. Yeah. Like, it doesn't stop there being lots of awful stuff going on in the background that we have to face, you know, and cope with and deal with, but also, you know, society in general. But it's really nice to 
reflect on some positive stuff that we've probably properly earned. I mean, you definitely, but um, I feel like I've earned my my job through my experience. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, that's nice yeah. to have. It's been a long time. So it's good, good to hear you. You got a bit of chirp in your voice, which was lacking for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's hard going. Yeah. yeah. Not. I mean, obviously, you still, you still like with professional. We're not professional, but you still, you know, we got through this. But you could hear you were slightly down in your voice. Um, so it's. But there's definitely yeah. like a chirpiness back that wasn't there for a few weeks. Yeah. It. It. What well, it does start to grind, doesn't it? After yes. a while, you know. Yeah. It's a real, real problem after some time. So yeah. No, that's really good, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of the year now, which is nice. Good. Cool. So, on that note, I think we'll leave it there. So, as usual, follow us on all the socials. Join our Discord if you'd like to carry on the chat. Look at the new YouTube content that we're putting out. We're doing stuff every week. Well, Brad is. But there's always new stuff going up, so check it out. And in the meantime, stay safe and stay sane.